Welcome to The Coaching Cast, your working from home managers club, here to check in with you weekly to share your working highs and lows, remind you that you're not alone and that there's many of us outside of your current four walls, all trying to be the best manager, leader, coach and human being that we can be. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo, which suffocates rather than advocates. And I'm Susie, sales and business coach at Future You Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a toddler who doesn't take too kindly to any form of questioning. In this podcast, we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment presenting different topics each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing our ideas, our hints, and our tips for you to take away and try for yourself. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we're discussing why it's okay to say, I don't know, as a leader or manager, and how by showing vulnerability, you will develop stronger relationships with your teams who will subsequently grow and be more successful as a result. Stay with us and enjoy. So, Suze, we're in season two. Can you believe it? It's absolutely nuts. I can't believe actually how quickly our little break has gone. It's absolutely flown by, but it's wonderful to be back. So how are things? Yeah, welcome back. Um, crazy. I know, we're back already. Uh, but yeah, I know things are good, thank you. Um, you might notice I'm in a new place recording. Uh, I'm having some building work done at my house. So um, I'm going to be recording the podcast for the next couple of weeks in this lovely office. So this is um, a lovely lady called Laura's, let me her office. Uh, and it's very nice to be in here today, uh, a bit different. So I've been out of the house, I've been let out of the house, finally, uh, as with everybody, we've been we've been out and about so yeah transitioning back into the real world um found it a little bit strange uh, I think I'd kind of forgotten how to socialize and how to actually like interact with people face to face uh, the first couple of times uh, and met some friends outside um but I feel like I'm getting into the swing of things now so hopefully this podcast will be okay and I'll be able to remember how to talk and how to speak I mean I don't know I can't promise can't promise anything today <laughs> but yeah back into the swing of things um that's for sure but how have you been yeah, good, good. Um, so you're also having some building work done as well. So that's something we've mutually shared during this past lockdown. And it is. I was laughing because obviously we have our bullshit bingo, which we're both really fond of. But I've now started to cultivate business lingo, uh, not business lingo, building lingo. That's what I mean. Building lingo. <laughs> can't even get my can't even get my own term right building lingo welcome back everyone to the coaching cast <laughs> god starting off rusty um I apologize everyone yeah building lingo so I don't know whether it's potentially a new feature we've got bullshit bingo and building lingo but the one that I want to share today is pointing and pointing has confused me no end uh because I have no understanding of what actually it is and it's definitely not what you would expect it to be so and actually, this is another this is another question potentially for our listeners out there who are much more au fait with building work and renovations, which is why is pointing called pointing? Because how on earth does pointing relate to grouting in your brickwork? Well, I certainly can't hurt you with this question. I just don't get that. So when all the builders and my husband included kept going on about point work and we need to repoint, I was just like, what's everyone talking about? And I just nodded along. I was like, hmm. Yeah. But I mean, when someone pointed out, literally pointed out to me, unless maybe that's what it's to do with, someone goes, oh, look, and points towards your grouting and goes, look, the grouting's coming out of your walls. That's not a good sign because obviously it damage. It, well, it means your damp proofing has failed. Maybe because everyone points at it, they can refer to it as pointing. I don't know. But that is my current... pointing. Yeah, that's my current conundrum. So yes, maybe if we, as we evolve this podcast and... Um, we, you know, maybe actually as we run out of material, we can have building lingo in there <laughs> as well as bullshit bingo. <laughs> um, on the subject of bullshit bingo, we've had some great bullshit bingos in for this season. I cannot wait 
to share them with you all. But I have to say also, well, in our little break, I've been probably like everybody watching Line of Duty. Have you been watching it, Lisa? I haven't. I I know it's a travesty because my mum is obsessed with it. And we both love the same genre so of good. drama. And we love, I love murder mystery dramas, especially by the Beeb. And so how I have not got into Line of Duty, okay. I don't know. So I do need to get into it. Well, you absolutely do. It's a brilliant uh, watch, but also the amount of acronyms they use, particularly in this latest series, um, <laughs> is probably bullshit bingo in itself. Like we could do a whole feature just on Line of Duty bull- bullshit bingo. Um, Gosh, it's it. literally next level. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, on that note, there's a few builds there. We've got building lingo, Line of Duty bullshit bingo and our own. Let's, let's get chatting about today's topic. <laughs> let's do it. So in today's episode, we're discussing why it's okay to say, I don't know, as a leader or a manager, and how by showing vulnerability, you're demonstrating authenticity and ultimately developing and growing stronger relationships with your teams. So 2020 and 2021 have supplied an abundance of I don't know moments as we continue to lead in a time of uncertainty where next month has been a challenge to predict, let alone the next you know, year, two years, even five years. So much of what we've known and understood and been able to presume has been thrown up in the air because of the pandemic and our predictable way of life being shattered. Even the simplest, most normal of things have not been allowed. Leadership has actually never been about having all the answers. And yet, why do so many of us put ourselves under pressure to be an endless encyclopedia for our teams? Famous author and optimist, author of Start With Why, Simon Sinek, who I'm sure you're all well aware of, he states, life changes for the better when we realise that we don't have to know everything and we don't have to pretend that we do. Suze, what's your experience and thoughts on this notion of vulnerability and leadership? Yeah, so I have um, definitely experienced this in my career today. I think um, it's probably useful to kind of break the two points um, apart and and kind of discuss each one um, in a little bit more detail. So firstly, I think um, exploring vulnerability in leadership um, and what that actually means and kind of bringing that to life for everybody, because I think certainly everybody's experience of doing it of what it is how comfortable they are uh, demonstrating it is probably different I think for me um, vulnerability in leadership is about our um, ability to express ourselves um, obviously in our our behavior in the words that we use and the experiences we share um, the emotions we feel with others um, to kind of really land how we genuinely feel and think towards um, a particular subject or topic. Um, And I think it's being able to do that in a position of of leadership and also actually probably generally in life, because you you need to show an element of vulnerability um, in your day-to-day life as well. It's a reality of of, um, being human, really. Um, But it it can be quite difficult for a lot of people to feel comfortable doing that. And it it's a, a strength, I think, which requires quite a lot of courage, especially in a business environment, to be that open and be that genuine um, with who you are and how you feel and what you think of a, of a particular subject. I know for me... Um, I've had a mixed experience of both showing it myself in in positions of leadership, but also um, I think kind of being comfortable in doing so. I think as when I was early on in my career, maybe as a graduate and the first couple of jobs out of uni, if somebody asked me what I thought of something, I felt less comfortable sharing my genuine view because um, I felt I would be judged. I felt um, that perhaps that wasn't the right view to be articulating. But as I've grown in my career, I've probably become more comfortable with just being like, this is what I think, this is why I think it. Um, and I'm quite happy to kind of tell you what that is and, and why. Um, and I think it's important to, to think about why demonstrating vulnerability Uh, especially in leadership is so important because 
I think if we think about sharing times of, you know, weakness or sharing struggles um, that we've all experienced as we go through life with other people. So it doesn't have to necessarily be in a work context. It can be in a personal life as well. By doing so, you know, we automatically deepen relationships with other people. Um, and that can earn you trust. Um, and I think also it can demonstrate you're, you're not necessarily like hiding from imperfection. You're being real and, and being human. Uh, you know, we're not all perfect. We're all still work in progresses. I certainly, certainly am, especially at the moment with this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, we, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're all human at the end of the day. Um, and I think it's, it's about how we open ourselves up to um, being comfortable with showing an element of vulnerability. So for me, I think that's what vulnerability and leadership is just to kind of bring that to life. And, and my experience of it is it's definitely something I've wrangled with in my career to date, probably um, like I said, become a little bit more comfortable with it as I've got older and I've become more confident in, in my experience and in my roles. Um, but it's an it's a, a really interesting topic, hence why we're talking about it today. Um, what are your experiences of, of vulnerability in, in leadership, Lisa? It's, <clears throat> Before I talk about that, I just wanted to touch on the comment you made about courage because it's so key, I think, to the point around being vulnerable. It takes a lot of bravery and courage to be able to do it. And actually, there was this fantastic quote that I picked out of um, someone who I'm connected with on LinkedIn yesterday that just encapsulated this. And it's a quote from Brené Brown, who I'm a huge fan of, of, um, the uh, incredible uh, doctor of psychology in America. And her quote is, vulnerability is not weakness. It's our most accurate measure of courage, which, you know, I think really resonates with what you were saying. I think in terms of my personal experience with vulnerability, in my personal life, I've actually grown very comfortable with being vulnerable as a tool to protect myself, which actually sounds like a conflicting statement because by being vulnerable, you're exposing yourself. And therefore the sense it gives is the opposite of protecting and defending yourself. But as a, as a child, when I was struggling with my self-confidence, actually sharing my true self with people and making a bit of a joke out of myself so in other words bringing attention to my flaws was a way to have power over anyone else being able to do that for me so in terms of bullying I was able to kind of control bullying not that I was ever bullied but if anything it was a way to prevent myself from being bullied because if I was giving out the um flaws and and the areas of myself that I didn't like if I was just giving that away and drawing attention to it no one else could so I think Mm. it's an area I've actually over time become comfortable with without really realizing it in terms of what I was doing and why I was doing it I think when I became a manager I can totally relate to what you were sharing in respect of in the early stages of my career not wanting to admit to not knowing things because I didn't want to bring attention to any areas of my skill set that were lacking. And I think Mm. when I started out as a manager, I very much felt the pressure and the need to have all the answers because that was my understanding of what manager uh, being a manager was that you were there to give information, direct, tell people what to do. You know, people were looking to you for that and if you weren't able to do it you weren't good enough you weren't supposed to be a manager and I was in the wrong role but at the same time I was receiving feedback from my senior managers that my approach was not helpful to other people that I was dragging people along and I wasn't investing in growing them the problem was is that no one actually explained to me what the opposite of that would be which is ultimately turning Mm. to my team and asking them more questions and getting them more involved and enabling them to input. Yeah. And I think if someone had just helped me out a bit earlier, that would have been really helpful with my development, but Hey, you learn these things when you learn these things. Um, But I think it's so, it's such a powerful tool for a leader 
to simply say, I don't know, what do you think? And actually bringing their team into the conversation. Because as soon as you, as soon as you acknowledge um, those around you by saying that and by inviting them to contribute, what you're saying is, is I trust and believe and value you and the fact that you actually may know the answer to this situation, this problem, and have the um, skills and the level of contribution we need to, to, to give to it. And I, I think that's so important. I know for me, when I've been led by others, that has meant a huge amount to me to be asked my opinion. Yeah. Because it really enables yeah. me to feel important and valued. And it's important for my self-worth and my self-esteem. You know, so I think recognizing that in in leadership and knowing that actually the gift you're giving those around you when you're doing that is is really important. I think what you're talking about there is about the power of role modeling. And I certainly experienced that in this subject uh, in my career where you 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 made a really good point before about how you didn't know necessarily like how to grow those other people or show that um that opposite of of having all of the answers and I think that's something I also struggled with I didn't know how to like do the opposite I didn't know how to do that and then I worked for this really great um manager who started I think you know role modeling what the opposite was and that was about bringing us in saying I don't know but actually what do you think and I learned I suppose how to demonstrate that vulnerability through her actions um, in real life. And for me, that works really well because I learn a lot through doing and seeing. Um, As we know, I'm not a particularly great reader. I don't learn a huge amount from reading books. So actually seeing it in action and being able to pick up on those, um, you know, words and and actions that somebody else was doing to demonstrate that point um, was really, really good and helpful for me. And it, a light bulb went off and I was in a leadership position as well at the time. And I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I kind of feel like I've been wrangling with and didn't know how to do. Um, and that's so important to demonstrate what it is that we need to, um, you know, potentially work towards as well. Um, yeah, definitely. I do like what you were saying, you know, you know about this, this kind of myth that, um, is an operation in in the world of business, which is around, you know, when you don't know the answer or you don't know what the solution might be, feeling like um, you should. And it it definitely is a myth. Like if you think that you should have all the answers, you should have all, you know what to expect, know how to solve everything, you don't. Like stop that now. You absolutely don't need to kind of drop that superhero act uh, without sounding too tough um you know and I think exhausting. if you if you are p- absolutely it's you know you cannot be you know thinking about the answers of everything all the time hypothesizing constantly um isn't so tiring um and I think if you're put in that place where you don't know the answer you're very tempted in order to kind of make it up fake it perhaps you know in some instances bluff it um and you don't need to do that like that's not needed like believe us it's not needed um because actually you know when you're um in a place of being questioned and you make something up or you bluff something that you're not convinced by your credibility your authenticity will be gone like that because people will see it, you know, they'll, they'll absolutely see straight through it. So you need to resist that temptation uh, to, to just kind of answer and, and feel that you need to come up with an answer because you don't, you really, really don't. Um, have you had any, any experiences of, of feeling like you needed to, you know, come up with the answer continuously? It was a role where I was new to it. I had a, I had a new team and it was in an area of the business that didn't really align to my skill set, let alone my my knowledge. 
And mm. so I was juggling a constant of I don't know, both in terms of the subject matter, the team I was managing and the new relationships I was having to build. And actually that was up and down. So it was the team I was leading, but also the management team who were leading me. And that whole year was extremely exhausting because I was continually in a state of, I don't know, I need to find the answers. I need to improve my knowledge. I need to grow my skills. I need to come up with proposals. I, don't, I think I spent the whole year putting together proposals and you know, trying to find solutions. And it was absolutely exhausting. It was awful. Um, and the simple matter of it was, Yes, there were some external pressures being put onto me that put me into that position. But actually, a lot of it was to do with my own perceptions and the pressure I was putting on myself. And I am one of my own worst critics. I think we all can be for to ourselves. And I know the moment that I realized that I didn't have to be good at everything, that I was allowed to be good at the things that I liked and I enjoyed. And it was okay that the, the other areas... Um, that I didn't like or enjoy, I didn't have to be good at. So for example, mm. I'm not particularly analytical. I don't really enjoy data. Um, I, although I've worked in roles that focus on process and process development, so operational processes, and I did enjoy it for a time, I don't enjoy it anymore. But the role that I was doing was in all of those areas. And what was not being requested of me, what not was not being celebrated, was anything to do around people development which are the areas that I really enjoy the most. So it was only through understanding, I don't have to be good at analytics. I just have to understand the basics of data. I just need to understand what the data is mm. telling me. I don't need to know the ins and outs of it. I don't have to create it. I don't have to uh, put together a whole analytical report around it. You know, it was only until I realized that it was okay to, to not be good at things and to be accepting of that, which has taken time. And I still have a moment around that, that I was able to, relieve the pressure on myself and start being able to celebrate the things I was good at and be comfortable with what I wasn't. But that has taken time. And I, I think, you know, mm. I'm always keen as much as we want to simplify subjects to share with people, to make sense of them. What I know we don't want to do is downplay or oversimplify what it takes to get there. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot of what I know I'm sharing has taken years of cultivating. And I think I still yeah. cultivate it now. I'm still working on it because you say we are, we are a work in progress. Humans are flawed and that's why we're wonderful. We're not supposed to be perfect. Um, but I think it's being aware of this, being conscious of it, understanding how you yourself react and how you yourself are feeling in your current situation and recognizing where possibly you could show more vulnerability to really support yourself and grow your relationships both in work and out I think that's yeah what we're trying to talk about here and actually it's interesting because um my uh I posted about vulnerability on LinkedIn yesterday in preparation for this episode and a really close well my best friend in America commented on my post and shared her experiences and highlighted a really important point that was a really good reminder for me which is being vulnerable is a really important powerful topic and is very much one that we can all develop but some of us will find it easier to do than others and it's because we are all completely different and we come from different places and actually yeah. really critically to be vulnerable means be, to feel safe. So you already in some ways have to feel safe in yourself, but safe in your environment. And it's important to check your privilege, which mm -hmm. I really appreciated as a comment because it is definitely something I need to do more regularly. So it's very easy for me to say that I'm comfortable being vulnerable. I actually see it as something that really helps me to grow my confidence. I'm confident because I am yes. vulnerable, but... I come from a place of safety because my basic yes. needs are met and I feel secure. Yeah. So I just want to thank my best friend, Adele. I'll name her for sharing it because it was a really good reminder and a good like reality check for me. That's a great build, Adele. Thank you. Um, and 
I, I think as well, you know, from my personal experience, I now work for myself. Um, but, you know, I haven't. Um, I've worked in big organisations where you've kind of got um, a big machine around you, a big safety net of an organisation around you, people around you, different departments around you, with different knowledge and skills and expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my journey around being okay with demonstrating vulnerability has changed now I work for myself um I think previously uh because I was more in a in that corporate environment where wrongly I'd say you can be judged for demonstrating vulnerability not in all instances but you can be because again this myth which which we've touched upon still exists that you need to have all the answers and if you don't you're kind of um your knowledge is kind of judged and and that's Mm. that's not what we're kind of wanting and I don't think that's where growth comes from but I have to say like now I work for myself my experience of vulnerability is different um, again, because um, it's totally solely down to me now on everything. So I'm the accountant, I'm the marketing person, I'm the social media person. I am the product in terms of what I'm selling as well. Um, and um, I think my comfortable, um, comfortableness, I was going to say that, that's not a word, but um, my <laughs> comfort levels of uh, demonstrating vulnerability now I work for myself have definitely changed and probably become um more so I feel I think I'm okay with saying like I don't know how to do this uh or this is making me feel uneasy or this is making me feel uncomfortable but actually I know I need to go away and find the answers to help me move forward and and be more comfortable but again I think that touches upon Adele's point which is around um that place of safety I'm still in that place of feeling okay and comfortable and safe within the environment that I'm living and operating in um but I do think my experience of demonstrating vulnerability has shifted now I'm out of the probably the corporate world and organization Mm. Mm. and and in what direction Susie is it less Um, vulnerable more vulnerable I'm probably more than I'm probably more open to demonstrating vulnerability yeah uh and being okay okay with like I might not know all the answers or how to do something or straight off um or I might have to work harder to go and find what the plan is or what the solution is mm. because it's just all so solely down to me now mm. whereas before when I was in that corporate environment I had lots of people around me lots of experts lots of knowledge lots of skill sets which was quite easy to go and tap into that um and gain those answers um in a probably in a different way and I think that judgment's gone because I'm the only one judging because it's my business it's my experience now as a solopreneur um so yeah I think that's probably like my most recent um experience of it but going back into the business world because I know a lot of our listeners are probably operating in that environment of being in a in a more corporate or kind of organizational context what have been some of the um kind of benefits that you've seen in your um leadership experience of demonstrating that vulnerability to others are there any kind of specific stories or examples where it's had a really positive effect in terms of the outcome yeah, definitely. I think it's the demonstrating my own vulnerability to those I managed yeah. was where I saw the greatest positive outcome. So I know one individual that I have in my head specifically. On the surface, I think she came across very much as a closed book. So she'd come into my team. I was managing her. She was a team manager. She was one of a few team managers that I had. And we were an established team of team managers as well. So she was very much joining it as a, as a new person because of a restructure. And on the surface, I think she came across as being very closed. We were very different characters. I'm an extrovert and 
you know, I'm quite direct, I'm quite fast paced. This individual was very much more reserved Mm -hmm. and a lot more considered cautious and slower paced. And I think because of those sort of very much different preference styles, I was always keen to ensure that I was respecting her preference, but while at the same time honouring my own and wanting to establish a, a, a strong relationship between the two of us. And I think by always being honest to her, always showing my true self to her, by always saying and acknowledging her strengths and her skill set and acknowledging that I didn't have that to bring her into the conversation and to ask her point of view over time, she very much opened up to me a lot more and actually at times surprised me with her honesty and actually the vulnerability she showed in return. You know, I specifically remember a time when she openly said to me, she found me intimidating and that it was an intimidation from the perspective of, she was intimidated by my experience and my knowledge and at times the skill set that I had. And as much as it identified to her the areas she wanted to work on, she felt very uncomfortable around it because it felt so different to her. I mean, that's a massive demonstration of vulnerability, I think, to admit that. And especially from an individual Mm -hmm. who I know, really her, her, her preference was to, to, to be the opposite, to not share and to keep it close. So that's sort of probably the strongest example I have. And as I said, it was very much that result took time. You know, I, I managed her for, I think it was over 12 months. And those types of conversations were only really happening around, you know, halfway through that month eight, to be honest. So it was, yeah. it was very much a work in progress, but Throughout, I was always very much showing my true self and admitting my areas, my gaps, if you like, my areas of development to her because I was inviting her to do the same to me. I wanted to know what hers were and I wanted her to feel able to share them with me so we could work on it together. What about you, Suze? Have you got an example? I think it does take time to build... Yeah, so I think it does take time to build um, that level of comfort and trust to feel safe to demonstrate vulnerability. And that certainly is the case for me. Um, I am a person who, once I trust, I'm comfortable to then open up and demonstrate and be very actually very open about what my vulnerabilities are or what my weaknesses are what my development areas are um but I can't do that straight away so if I just like meet somebody for the first time it takes me a while to warm up before I feel comfortable and I suppose safe enough to be able to then um give that information and that knowledge because you know that information can be powerful um to that other person and you would like to think and hope that they would treat that information they're receiving you know with empathy and with understanding and consideration and then you know give back in terms of perhaps how they are feeling or or where their vulnerabilities lie but I've also had experiences in my career where that hasn't been the um the case where I've perhaps given a, a very open um kind of description of of some of my perhaps development areas uh to to colleagues um and then that hasn't kind of been reciprocated and and given back and then I felt quite exposed by doing that because I made the wrong judgment call that I thought that that was um a place of safety and trust and I think if you are managing people and somebody feels um comfortable enough to demonstrate their vulnerabilities to you please 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 make sure that you receive that and respond to that in a way um in which um you are privileged to be able to have um had that information that that person has felt safe enough to confide in you Mm. um because if you don't the downside and with that was will be that you're 
start cracking your relationship between the two of you because you haven't necessarily demonstrated back that you um, appreciate what they've done and perhaps how they have taken themselves out of their comfort zone and so in my example when I did that and I didn't get it back or response back that was kind of acknowledged perhaps how I'd opened myself and how I'd really like flexed in terms of what I would normally do I immediately shut down and I was like no no more that's I've learned my lesson now Mm. and so I think for leaders that's a really important part of our conversation as well is about how you um respond to one uh when somebody has opened up and given you an insight into what their vulnerabilities uh are and perhaps you respond you know back with yours as well so that you're also like equals in that relationship because otherwise you then start to get like a a change in the power of you know the balance of power it's not not about power but um you're not then kind of seen or experiencing as, as equals and that's really important in order to building that trust and building that you know safe environment um between you all absolutely then, what would be some of your your top tips in perhaps building a culture of vulnerability so i think my top tips in respect of starting to build vulnerability and I think it's an ongoing activity this isn't a do this and then you've done it it's ongoing especially as you point out Susie your situation and environment always evolve and change and therefore so do you so it's a work in progress always I think my top three things are try asking your team what do you think Mm. I think we've talked about that a few times in all of this but I think it's a great starting point to show some vulnerability, even proceed that with, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I think my second thing is if you make a mistake, because we all do, and us as leaders make them and and managers just as prolifically as everyone else. We're we're not, (laughs) we're not immune to making mistakes. If you make a mistake, admit it, you know, show other people in your team. It's okay to make mistakes And then build on that by sharing what you've learned from doing so. I think this builds on your point about role modeling, Suze, because I think if you're showing people it's okay to make a mistake and look what I've learned from it, look how I've changed and evolved because of it, you're encouraging others to do the same. Yeah. And it's starting to grow that space of honesty that then builds trust, which is so important. And then I think the third thing is start practicing sharing with other people how you feel about things I say start practicing in this in respect of if it's not something you already do if it's not something you feel comfortable to do just start looking at how you can do a little bit of it every week so share how you're feeling with other people and acknowledge it and again support other people you're inviting them to do the same I don't mean like dwelling on things or or going into a you know deep emotional outburst (laughs) but simply saying yeah you know I don't feel that great today or you know I'm feeling a little bit sad or even opposite I'm feeling great today but just showing a little bit of the inside um before you move on with the day I think just shows to people I'm human and if I'm sharing with you how I feel it's because I'm also keen to know how you feel too It's now time for this week's listener question. This is where you, the listener, send us your workplace dilemmas or questions and we try and answer them and offer some suggestions. So this week's question uh, was sent in to us by Ellie in Surrey uh, and I will share Ellie's question now. Hi Susie and Lisa, it's Ellie here from Surrey. I'm loving the podcast and already using some of the hints and tips you've been provided with my team. It's really, really informative. Um, My question for this week is, have you got any hints and tips to support someone who is suffering from imposter syndrome and how I can do that as a manager and also from a personal level? That would be great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ali, for your question on a subject which we haven't actually talked much about yet on um, the coaching cast, but I know is a subject which um, is very popular, but also one that 
Lisa, you in particular feel very passionately about. So what are your um, thoughts for Ellie on, on this subject? Yeah, so I think the first thing I would say is it's such an incredible first step that this individual's taken to share with Ellie how they're feeling and that's a credit to Ellie as well because they clearly have a trusting relationship because from my experience suffering with imposter syndrome actually the biggest challenge I had to overcome was the fact that I hadn't told anybody and I didn't I mean obviously at the time I didn't know how to describe it in terms of I didn't realize it had a label a term but I didn't want to admit this to anybody so I didn't have anyone that I felt I could trust to share that with. So, you know, it's interesting. It's we're talking about this in respect of the topic of vulnerability. I wasn't, I didn't feel safe enough to to be vulnerable at the time to be Mm. able to share this with anyone. So I think it's an incredible first step. This individual has, has, has shared this because I think that feeling of imposter syndrome, you feel like you really um, need to watch your back. If that makes sense. You feel like the, you can't trust anybody and that people are out to get you. And actually, ultimately, it's just you. You're out, you're already get out getting yourself, like you're already attacking yourself. It actually comes from inside. But knowing that someone else understands how you're feeling because you've shared it actually starts to help you to 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 address the imposter syndrome. Because actually someone else is watching your back now, which is really nice. I think my advice to Ellie is really start exploring with the individual what they're thinking in detail. So have them describe it, how, you know, what are the thoughts they're having? How do they feel? What are the words that they are actually telling themselves? Like, can they listen to their own dialogue? Does it come into sentences so that you can really, you know, start producing some information to look at with them? I think it's then looking at when these thoughts happen, are there any themes in terms of triggers Mm -hmm. that are causing it? So is it, a situation, a scenario, a person even. I know mine was a combination of um, things, to be honest, Um, but it could be that certain actions or tasks or um, environments trigger it, or as I said, or even people. So then you can start getting really specific because I think when you're clear around the feelings and, and what they actually are and when this is happening, you're much clearer then to be able to look at how to address it I think the big thing as well is when you're going through that exercise you can start determining what is fact and what is fiction because so much of this is being generated by the individual themselves um you know you start literally attacking yourself from the inside out and actually being able to determine what is you and what you're telling yourself and what is the actual facts of a situation is really important because again it just gives you so much more to be able to create the right solution because otherwise you could be creating solutions that are just not appropriate. They're not relevant. Um, and then I think it's really encouraging the individual to once they're clear about the feelings and when is this happening and what is fact and what is fiction to really then build their fact base in terms of how they themselves uh, see them, see themselves. So being clear around what are your strengths what are your capabilities? What's your experience? Because actually you have every right to be where you are. You've earned it. And, and you're there because it's a recognition of how great you are, actually. So enabling them to gather those helpful, positive, reinforcing facts to add their, to their fact pot can then really help them to have a point of reference. So then when they get these feelings of imposter syndrome, they get the self-doubt, they can look to their fact pot that they've built and remind themselves of the, you know, the truths and just help to manage some of that, that negative fiction that they've, they've got. Mm. So that, that would be, um, that would be my, my tips, I think. That's a very comprehensive answer, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I think there's some great stuff in there that hopefully Ellie can take away and and use and, and implement implement um it is a subject that's um that's quite tough and i think in a number of regards for the individual obviously who who's experiencing and feeling like that but also i think as a manager um to um 
manage somebody and try and help somebody move forward who's feeling like that that's also quite a tough place to be as well and so my only build would be for Ellie herself is that actually if you feel that um, you need some help with and support with building and planning those conversations and those interventions to help that other person I think that's also totally natural so um, make sure you reach out as well to to get a level of support if you need it um, because it it can be a little bit of a um, a tricky one to uh, to manage successfully because you want to do the right the right um, job for for the other person so um, if those of you are listening have your own thoughts um, on this question and would like to share or have a question for us to answer uh, during this season please do get in touch and you can do that by emailing us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or send us a message on instagram at thecoachingcast it's that time that everyone's been waiting for it's bullshit bingo Yay! I swear it's the only reason anyone listens to us now, actually. Um, So as a reminder, a refresher, Bullshit Bingo is where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which make us cringe. And today is an absolute corker. I'm not going to be able to say this out laughing, I think. So today's Bullshit Bingo is low-hanging fruit in in the context of focusing on the easy, most accessible opportunities first. (laughs) I love this one so this has actually been sent into us by one of our listeners Katie so thank you so much for this gem so Suze come on then what are your thoughts about this bullshit bingo uh lols firstly um yeah um, absolute uh corker of a bullshit bingo low hanging fruit um I've heard this being used I don't think I've ever said this I'm just trying to check myself as to whether I have I don't think I have but I've definitely heard this being used I used to work in sales so we used to refer to it quite a lot around the more um easily accessible opportunities that wouldn't take as much to kind of get over the line uh, and uh, get away uh, so that's how we would refer to them as that, that low-hanging fruit it always used to make me think of strawberries I don't know really why but I think it's because you know if you go like strawberry picking you go into a field of strawberries and they're very low to the ground like on the stem so you mm. go through the the plants if anybody's watching this on YouTube, they'll be like, what the hell is she doing with her arms? Oh, apple? yeah, no. This is what I was doing, wasn't it? Her arms. Like, yeah. <laughs> here I am. Here's the little strawberry. The low-hanging fruit is here. Just yeah. pick that off the stem. And off we go. <laughs> Done. Um, yeah. Oh, God. I can't think, I can't help but thinking of just really rude things. When someone says low-hanging fruit, I'm just like, oh, God. I, yeah, I just immediately go. I just immediately go into a space of smut, just pure smut, low hanging fruit like plums, low hanging plums. So yeah, sorry, <laughs> I can only go dirty and disgustingly rude on this She's one. Lowered the tone of this podcast, everybody. Today. Yes, again, yes, again. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> low hanging fruit. Yeah, not for me this one. Definitely it's not. I just, I just wouldn't be able to say it without just being completely inappropriate be honest oh dearie me it's a good one though thank you very much katie thank you very much (laughs) thanks katie so we're coming to the end of today's episode where we've explored the subject of vulnerability in leadership and the importance of saying i don't know to enable you to demonstrate that vulnerability to your team and those you work with. And importantly, to follow that up with what do you think so that you can invite people to share and bring them into the conversation to strengthen relationships and to build more effective teams. Our tips from today for you to try to set and manage your own level of vulnerability in your role and to start practicing this now, because we will stress this is a work in progress. It takes time and that's absolutely okay. So here's our tips from today. The first one is saying, as I said, I don't know. What do you think? Second one is admit your mistakes and share what you've learned. So therefore, demonstrating to other people it's okay to make mistakes. It's all about the learns from those mistakes and create that space of openness, honesty and trust. So important. 
Number three is acknowledge and share how you're feeling. And we don't mean this in terms of an outpouring of emotion. It's about being comfortable to share how you're feeling at a level at which you'll feel comfortable with, to start inviting others to do the same, to give you more insights to grow relationships with your people and actually also to support them more effectively if you know actually how they're doing. And the fourth one is respond sensitively when an individual has demonstrated vulnerability to you. Say thank you to them for doing that and repeat it. So follow it up with them, check in with them and continue to encourage them sharing that vulnerability. As well as our top tips, we also have some questions for you to try asking yourself this week to support this subject of vulnerability. Number one is, what is stopping me from sharing with my team? So what is stopping you from sharing how you're feeling your own admissions of mistakes? What is stopping you from being more open? Number two is what difference would sharing more make, whether that's to your team or to your manager? So really think about actually what the benefits would be if you started doing this more. And the third thing is, how will I be more vulnerable? What will I do? And try and challenge yourself to take that action this week. So we hope you've enjoyed today and you've got some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or you can go to Instagram where you can find us at thecoachingcast. Your support means everything to us. Therefore, if you have liked what you've heard, then please give us a follow on Instagram, as Lisa said, at The Coaching Cast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, subscribe to future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also on YouTube by searching The Coaching Cast. Our episode next week is all about exploring having a growth mindset and how you can look to do this within your work and also in your personal life. Also, don't forget, there are 10 other episodes of The Coaching Cast from season one, which you can listen to at any time and wherever you listen to your podcasts. So we both love music, which we talk about often. And those of you that listen to season one will have got familiar with the way in which we conclude our episodes where we select a track and recommend it to you to listen to today to brighten your day. You can find our Spotify playlist for season one on Spotify. Literally search for the coaching cast. You'll find it. It's an eclectic mix of tracks. It really is. (laughs) So to build on that, we will have a season two Spotify playlist for the coaching cast. And it's my turn to pick the track today. And I have picked Treat People with Kindness by Harry Styles which I really like. It's such a sweet song. And I was saying to Susie, the music video featuring Phoebe Waller-Bridge dancing with Harry Styles is amazing. So definitely watch that as well. Definitely do. But that's my track for today. So I hope you find that uplifting. And remember, have a great week and you've got this. <laughs>